I want to talk to you. Thank you, media. Thank you, music. Band, phenomenal. I didn't even practice with them. I was late for practice, so I didn't even get to practice. All I went there and said, do you know this song? Yeah. But my key is different. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. All right. And they did it. Amazing. Pastor, you've got a great team. You've got a great team. Yes. And I am honored that the marshals are also a sort of part of that team. If, you, if you'd have us. <laughs> My husband's going to be a long ride home. <laughs> I was like, why do you have to? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, he loves it here. He loves all of you so much. Talks about you nonstop. And I love you all. The power of your testimony. That's what I want to talk to you about. Scripture says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the power of the story behind your salvation, the power of your testimony. Yes, that's how you overcome the enemy. Never stop telling people your story. Never stop. Second Corinthians 12 and 10, it's seven o'clock. I don't even know what time I'm supposed to land this pastor, but if you throw something at me, I'll take that as a cue. You know, if I, some missile projectile comes my way, I'll say, okay, I'm ending this. Second Corinthians 12, 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now, how many here you can identify with that? That you have taken, you, you, you have had infirmities, especially right now in the season of the pandemic here. You've taken reproaches in necessities. You've gone without sometimes in persecutions for Christ's sake. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses eight and nine. We are troubled on every side yet. I love that word yet. That means no matter what, there's a yet. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. But not, well, we are persecuted. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. My friends, there was a relentless determination to be a witness of Christ in the New Testament. They were a determined group of people because they had seen the miracles, not only because of that, because they'd seen him go, go up and promise to come back, not only because of that. There was a power, the power that my husband talked about, the Holy Ghost this morning. There was that power in them that enabled them to have that determination and motivation to be a witness unto death for Jesus Christ. No matter what, what an attitude. What an attitude to have. What an attitude I must have. No matter what, stick with the program. No matter what, don't fall off the bandwagon. No matter what, don't get off this train. No matter what, don't quit now. There was somebody who, who made me laugh. You know, there was a missionary. And one time he said, he said, if you wanted to backslide, you should have done it last year. This year it's too late. He's coming back sooner this year than he was last year. So, no, don't backslide at all, but you know. The early disciples considered it a privilege to suffer great perils in the name of Jesus. Why? Because they realized that the journey of discipleship is about developing the character of Christ. And there is no way you can develop anything without paying the price. 
You cannot develop Christ-like character in your life unless you boldly face rejection simply for doing what is right. And we are living in a world that we are being rejected left, right, and center. Not the church, not by the church, not by believers, but by forces that are against us. And you are facing that rejection simply for what? You're not doing a crime. You're not doing anything wrong just for doing what is right, for choosing what is right. You're being pushed back. Well, it's about time. Let me tell you, I was telling somebody the other day, you can push me and push us and push us and push us until my back is against the wall and there's nowhere for me to go. And then I will have to start pushing back and pushing back and pushing back. You push good old fashioned conservative Americans against the wall and there's going to come a time they will begin to push back they will push back because they will feel they've had enough that was not that was not some political statement that was a bible statement you keep pushing and pushing and one of these days I'm going to say hey enough now move because I'm pushing back. It's getting there. And you push back through prayer. You don't become mean and unchristlike. We're not talking about that kind of violent, but no, no, no. Leave the violence to the rest of them. We're Christian people, we're salt. We push back through prayer and fasting and the light and salt and the word and witnessing and witnessing and witnessing because the more of them that are saved, the less of them that are gonna push you back. So you push back through witnessing by being salt and light and keep smiling and waving. Smile and wave. <laughs> significant moves of God have often been preceded by discouraging opposition so if you're being opposed this morning when I was just before my husband began to speak I was talking about breakthroughs well let me tell you we're not going to encounter or experience a breakthrough unless we relentlessly begin to attack the wall that stands between you and the breakthrough. There's a wall. You've experienced the wall. You can either turn around and walk away because the wall seems too tall, too powerful, too strong and too daunting. Or you can start becoming God's battering ram and you can keep hitting the wall until it weakens and until it weakens and at some point it will collapse and then you have your breakthrough. But significant moves of God, it, it, throughout the Bible there's a pattern. There's a pattern throughout the Bible. Many patterns, but this one pattern is, is just overwhelming. And the pattern is every time God is about to move in a big way, there was discouraging opposition. There was opposition. Every time, just before the Red Sea opened, what was the opposition? The enemy was hot on their heels to attack and to destroy the Hebrew children. The children thought they were going to die. They accused Moses, you brought us here to drown us. And God was like, oh, I don't believe that you're, you're, you're faithless and perverse generation. God would have probably said then, God said, okay, Moses, I'm going to open the sea for these faithless, perverse people that really deserve to be drowned anyway. But I have a nation to build and a world to save through these people. And my promise to Abraham must be kept. Wow, 
just for that Abraham. One time I told him, I know why you opened the Red Sea. It was not for the Hebrew kids. It was Abraham, wasn't it? He said, yeah, I know. I had to keep my promise. <laughs> and just, just, just when the enemy was at the heels of the Hebrew children, the walls of the sea rise. I want to see Red Seas open in my life. There are times when I've been at the brink of the sea and I feel that that's it. This is it. I can't go anywhere. The enemy is behind and then the deep blue sea is in front of me. So what do I do? The devil is behind me and certain death is in front of me. What do I do? I cry out, you cry out, and the sea opens. And all of a sudden, God is real. He's always been real. But you know what I mean. Significant moves of God have often been preceded by discouraging opposition. That means if you're not encountering opposition in your life right now, then you have not successfully, then you are not successfully attacking a strategic location or an issue within the body and within your own family and your own life. If you are not going through opposition, then you are not strategically attacking something that God is asking you to attack, which means the opposite is if you are going through opposition, whether it's sickness, whether it is, it is financial distress, whether it's personal distress, or anything that is attacking your mind, your body, your family, your money, that means you are strategically attacking something even if you don't know what it is you're attacking. If you're talking in tongues, the Holy Ghost through you is praying prayers that are attacking a strategic location, attacking the work of the enemy. If you are being attacked, then you are onto something. And you will be opposed. Where the enemy is fortifying his forces is where you must focus your assault. There is going to be a fierce fight. If you are going to achieve a breakthrough, if you are a faithful child of God, you are going to receive volleys of discouragement and flaming darts. I've been there. You've been there. You are going to be attacked on all sides, even within the body. People that you trusted, people that you looked up to will, will, will just do things that discourage you and try to bring you down. They'll be jeering, false accusations, and intimidation. There will be efforts to destroy your reputation, your morale, and determination. But this is a call for holy determination. God is calling you to be determined tonight. Determined to push back and push back. I've had enough, devil. You've put me in the corner. There is nowhere for me to turn. Now I am going to push back. Breakthroughs are achieved, of course, by prayer. Of course it is but not prayer alone. Prayer alone will not achieve breakthroughs. There are some decisions that you need to make alongside prayers. You need to make some decisions that will clean out your heart and your home. Then you'll have the breakthrough. You see, prayer alone cannot be the band-aid that we use to cover up things that are deep within. Decisions, logical, reasoned, biblical decisions based on the light of God needs to be made so that you will have your breakthrough. You have to decide to think right, talk right, and decide to let go of bitterness. I must do the same. There are works to be done and courage to be exercised in the face of intimidation. The church is an invading force. But you must remember, strategic ground is not yielded easily. And whether you're battling for breakthroughs against stubborn sin, the unbelief of a loved one or family members, or the missional advance of FPC, whether you're praying to reach unreached people or rescue um, persecuted believers, 
Whether you're praying for orphans, addicts, or even the unborn, you are up against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. I have not seen spiritual forces of evil. I have felt them. I have experienced them. But you can't, some of us, we can't, we don't have, we may not have that spirit eyes to see all of that war that is going on. Exactly what that means, we may not know, except that these forces are very strong. And just because you're not seeing victories and significant changes right away in the lives of your child, in the life of an MIA, or if there's delays and setback in the local church growth, in fact, you're experiencing perhaps more discouragement, more sickness, death, loss, frustration, weariness, doubt, cynicism. That's when you do not give up. That's when you fight the hardest. Increasingly intense fighting always precedes strategic breakthroughs. Many in the early church were mocked. I'm talking today about the power of our testimony. Many in the early church were mocked. They, they suffered so much opposition and yet the church expanded and grew and blew up because because they were not afraid of the persecution. They took it and then their martyrdom and the blood that they shed just spread the gospel even further. Many were imprisoned and even killed for spreading the gospel. The apostle Paul was incarcerated for years in a Roman prison cell, beaten, stoned, his life in constant danger, even from other believers and eventually executed. All for the sake of Jesus Christ and for spreading the gospel. Jesus warned that this life of a servanthood is not lived without cost. Losing your way of life. You think that we cannot see that? You know, I walked into a restaurant the other day with, um, with Pastor and um, Sister, Pastor, Pastor Beecham and Sister Beecham. And um, <laughs> my husband and I will live in Ohio for now. <laughs> And, um, and I walked, we walked into this restaurant and immediately I noticed that none of the wait staff, and this is, I am not trying to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but none of the wait staff and the person that was seating us was wearing a, they were not wearing a mask. Everybody in Walmart is, but you know, and I was, I mean, in, in, in where we live now in Ohio, there's mandatory everywhere you go, you, you've just got to. I hate it, sorry, I just had to get that out. I just had to say it, I'm so sorry. I just feel safe here to say it. There are places I don't think I, I might be, masks might be thrown at me, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and I turned around and told my husband, I said, honey, the, 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 the manager and the wait staff, and they're not, they're, they're, and he turned around with a big beaming smile and looked at me and said, they don't have to hear. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, God's based out of Lexington. <laughs> I found his house. <laughs> he's based out of, my, he might travel a lot everywhere else, but he's based here. Oh my God. Okay, we're moving. No, but, uh, and, and, and I, was, I was just so, I'm, I'm just upset that our way of life is being attacked. You know, that we, I mean, we are affectionate people. I'm not talking about just the church. Our culture as Americans, we're warm and affectionate. I've traveled enough around the world to witness, to bear witness to this. 
American people are, and I'm not saying they're emotional. Of course we're emotional. God gave us emotions, but we're affectionate. We're warm. We give and give and give until people take advantage of our giving. But anyway, we give and we, 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 we do. We, we want to help. We see a poor person. We just want to help. We see, we see a child on the road. We, we, we want to make sure they are okay. And there's, there's not a lot of cultures like this. Not a lot of lifestyles that are as, as giving and as warm and smiling. And, and, and I feel it's trying to be shut down. I don't want to do the elbow. Please don't shake my elbow. I think it's just kind of weird. If you came in, I, would, I might have to. No, I'm not saying be, be um, careless and unwise. Do what you can. Use bleach if you have to. But my goodness, I want us to go back or move forward to our Christian founding examples and way of life of warmth and love and natural giving. And I don't even know who's smiling and who's not anymore. Are you smiling? Yes. I don't think you are. I am. You just can't see it. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry, Pastor. I've just wanted to take this off of my chest for a long time. Last three months, six months. When you lose your one's way of life by sacrificing the things that gave us an identity. I love being an American. There is an identity that goes with that. And when people try to take that away, I get mad. An identity that is an intrinsic part of being me or becoming like Jesus. But Jesus warned that this life of servanthood is not lived without cost. You know why that's so important to me? Because I came from a culture, I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony. I came from a culture that was very different, vastly different. I was born in a strictly religious Hindu home and worshipped many, many gods. All of us did, the family, my relatives, cousins, till today, many of them still do. And I had to meet the Lord in order to be delivered from that. I worshipped many gods and my body was struck with sickness and an illness that I had no control over. From a child right up to a young adult, I was, I was stuck in bondage and idolatry. and Didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go. People used to come to my, my home, my, my parents' home where I lived and used to give me, from the church, they would give us a tract. They'll look at me and they'll say, Jesus died for you. And I'm like, Why? They said, well, because he loves you. Who is he? And they will sit and try to explain. But I was so wrapped up in this, for, this other religion, this faith, that I could not accept it or receive it. I would take the track and put it away. I would probably read it a little bit, put it away, not interested. Thank you, but no, thank you. They would go away. But I tell you, a power of a tract 
A few years down the road, I remembered what was in the track. I just remembered little bits. Jesus saves. That's all you need to remember. You don't need to remember 40 scripts. Jesus saves. And then when you are in trouble and when you are needing help, you call upon that name. And that's what I did. I was sick. I was ill. And the doctors had no cure. They did CAT scans and all kinds of stuff. I thought if I ended my life, I'll end the pain. If I woke up with pain, went to bed with pain, all kinds of things. And then one night, I was sitting at the edge of my bed, and I began to cry out. I didn't know what, what to cry out in the first place. I, you know, God, whatever. And then I remembered that tract. I remembered the word, Jesus saves. And I cried out, Jesus! And something just entered the room. It was, it was pitch black, actually, because I was at the, the room. It was nighttime. It was almost midnight. And the lights were switched off. So I didn't, but there was this, I didn't see a face, but I could see a, just a, 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 like there was a presence. And the presence was so thick. It was like a form, tall, big. It enveloped the entire room. And he told me, and I heard this voice distinctly. It was the first and last time I ever heard him audibly. Today he speaks to me the way he speaks to you in my spirit. He speaks to my mind. He speaks to my heart. He speaks through the word. But that night it was audible. I am Jesus. I am God. And he touched my body. Come on church. You can shout to God. That's your Jesus. Yes. Losing your way of life or sacrificing the things that, you, that give you significance is an intrinsic part of becoming like Jesus. My mom, she wanted to take me to um, the temple that right the day after Jesus set me free in the room. The day after I repented and gave my life to Jesus that night, midnight in my room. The next morning she knocks on my door and I open the door. And she said, well, why aren't you ready? I know you've heard this story before, but why aren't you ready? We want to, we're going to the temple. I had forgotten the next day was a, was a, a, a holy day for that particular religion. I'd forgotten. Every Friday we would go. I'd forgotten what day it was. I was just basking in the Holy Ghost. I was just basking that Jesus has come into my life. Who cares what day it was? You know, and my, my mother knocked on the door, pastor, and she said, why aren't you ready? We need to go. And I said, go where? She looked at me like I was ill. <laughs> she said, get ready. We're going to the temple. We need to make some prayers. It's, a, our, our, it's Friday. It's like there's our Sunday, you know. I said, well, I can't go. She said, why not? <laughs> I thought, well, I could lie and say I've got the flu, but I can't because something in me is saying, don't lie. <laughs> Okay. Well, I just, I just can't go. She said, are you sick? And I was like, where's the light show now? <laughs> just the night before he was there, he was, and, 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 and I heard him and all of that. Now my mother is asking, inquisitive. She was asking me inquisitory questions and I felt alone. Where are you now, Lord? He was there. He was there waiting to part the Red Sea. 
There was opposition standing right in front of me. She's a good lady. You know, my mom's wonderful, actually. Please don't think bad things of her. She's a wonderful lady. She just thought that I betrayed the entire family. You can understand that. She, she raised me one way, and now I'm going the other way. So she thought, you know, either I lost my mind, I was betraying her. And so, so she was standing, she said, she said, all right, fine. You know, if you, you can't come, but I'm going to the temple. When I come back, we'll talk. That sounded worse than the tax man. And I was like, okay, all right, mom. So she shut the door and I hit the floor. And I was like, okay, she's coming back. You need to give me strength. I don't know what to do. Where are you now? And, 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 and all of that. I, was, I didn't know how to pray. I was, a, I, was, I was barely a new convert. I had an experience, a powerful experience, but that's about it. There was no church. Where were you, by the way, that time? No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, there was nobody, no music, no atmosphere, no altar workers, no pastor. It was just me. And Jesus. So that was enough. That's a majority right there. Mom comes back, but she doesn't come back alone. I, <laughs> I heard the voice of sympathy just ripple through this place. And everybody went, oh, oh. <laughs> she really is nice. She's intimidating, but she's nice. <laughs> she's brilliant. I love my mom. And, um, and, and so she came, and there was another car that parked, you know, with her, and four men came out of the car and they were all priests from the temple. She brought reinforcements, <laughs> mini army to handle little old me. Actually, they were all relatives because my parents and my mom's side from right up to my great, 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 great grandfather were Hindu chief priests. I come from a priesthood home a home where most of our relatives, the males, the men, are chief priests of Hindu temples. It's unthinkable for someone like me to even walk into a church. If the chief priest was here right now and he saw me on top, he'd probably have a heart attack and faint or something. It was unthinkable for someone like me born in the home of priests to, to, to even talk about church, much less go to church or give my life to Jesus. There's no way. There will be great persecution. And persecution came. They put me in the middle of the living room and, and, and they begin to talk to me. And my mom began to talk to me. My father was my, father is my, best, was my best friend he, before he died. He was my best friend. And he didn't say a word. He was, sitting, he was just sitting in a corner and crying. And that hurt me more than any of whatever the priests were doing. That hurt me more that I'd hurt daddy. I kept looking at dad saying, I was telling and willing him to understand where I was, but he just shook his head and hung his head down and didn't know what to do. And the chief priests were just mocking me, telling me, give him up. Jesus is false. Jesus is not God. Jesus is, somebody has brainwashed you. Somebody has changed your mind. Come on, give him up. Give him up. Give him up. Give him up. Recant. Take it back. You're not a Christian. Don't pretend. And they were going on and on. And the persecution and the intimidation was strong. And all I did, there's something that told me in my heart immediately. Don't say a word except my name. So I shut my eyes. I was a young girl. I shut my eyes and all I did in my heart, and you need to try this sometime, church, when you're stuck in the middle of a problem. I shut my eyes and all I did, ma'am, was Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And he gave me strength. I wasn't alone. He's as close as the mention of his name. 
That was proof right there. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And they continued to just rile at me and attack me with words and intimidate me, even physically intimidate me. And finally, one of my, uh, one, the, the, the chief priest there, this is my uncle, turned around and told my mother, listen, we're leaving right now. We can't do anything for her anymore because whatever that's got a hold of her is more powerful than anything that we can do. If you, if you, if that makes you excited, why don't you shout to God right now? Stand up and shout to God right now. Because whatever, whatever that's got a hold of you is more powerful than anything that the world can bring against you. Hallelujah. Well, she told me that I needed to pack my bags and leave. She's, she's really a nice person. <laughs> You're like, yeah, right. She is. I said, okay. I packed my bags. Found a little church that was, I mean, we, I didn't have a car or anything. I, I mean, it was, it was some distance away. I got into I found, you know, there were, I had to take two buses to get to that church. I didn't even know that it was a Pentecostal church. I found the church in the yellow pages. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't mean you got to walk there. <laughs> anyway, so um, I turned the pages and that, that little, it was the tiniest advertisement in the, yellow, in, the, in the book. And it jumped out at me. Gospel Lighthouse. United Pentecostal Church. I didn't go the long way, Pastor. God just took me directly from many gods to one. Why wouldn't you worship just one God? I grew up worshiping 2,000 gods. But in the end, there is one God. And his name is Jesus. And he saves us from our sins. I went to this church. Daddy gave me some money to survive, and I went to this church. They took us in, uh, took and 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 began to ground me, and and I got baptized in the name of Jesus, received the Holy Ghost, and for a whole year, I would call my mom, and she'd just hang up. Happy birthday, uh, okay, mom. It's me. okay, mom. Happy Mother's Day. She didn't want to have anything to do with me. I had betrayed the family. Dad didn't want to have nobody. Brothers, I had two brothers, sister, nobody. It was just total clean cut. You are dead to us. Do not talk to us. Every significant move of God will always be preceded by opposition. So if somebody's rejecting you that you're trying to reach out, hey, rejoice and be glad. Because the prophets before you were rejected as well. And there's going to be a tremendous move of God like, the, like something that you've never experienced or seen because of this opposition. And so one day, I don't know when it was, I, I, it was almost, I mean, it was over a year, over a year after I was saved. I was excited about God, going to church, going to every prayer meeting. I actually even part-time worked for the church. Part-time I was working for the church. I would do anything, clean the church, 
Nothing is too small or too demeaning if it is the house of God, people. Okay? There, there's no point in me looking for a label or a position. I was thankful to wash the bathrooms. That's what I did, Pastor. Not many people know that. They think that, you know, when as soon as I was born, a mic was handed to me. I'm just kidding. No. And, and so I, I would wash the bathroom and sing hymns while I was vacuuming and cleaning. And then I would type up letters. I was secretary, janitor, and all of that round put together in this little church, storefront church. Daddy one day called. Just out of the blue. Hello? And he said, Ronnie. I said, Dad? He said, yes. He said, I need to talk to you. I thought something really bad had happened in the family. I mean, they didn't contact me for more than a year. All of a sudden, he calls. Somebody died. or I said, what happened? What's wrong? She's, he said, uh, he was a very successful businessman, wealthy businessman. And he, had, he said there was some investment that the company had made. And it, he lost some stuff and whatever. And he said, I am so distressed. I don't know what to do. But I had a dream two days ago. And I said, and you were in that dream. I said, what did I say? In the dream, he said, you said to me, he said, Daddy, call me. I need to tell you something important. I said that in the dream? Yes. You know, God is so cool. He'll do anything to get the attention of someone you're praying for. I never stopped praying for dad and mom. And so I said, well, dad, why don't you meet me? Meet me where I'm, you know. And he said, okay, uh, where do I meet you? I said, well, I'm going to the church. And he said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not coming to your church. I'll meet you. And I was like, okay, give me some wisdom. He said, dad, you don't have to come to the church. Meet me at the parking lot. <laughs> step by step. Here a little, there a little. <laughs> and he said, okay. And so he drove up. I was waiting for him in the parking lot. And he wound down the window. He said, get in the car. I said, dad, listen, it's hot. This is Malaysia. I said, it's hot. And, you know, we'll be sitting in the car for a while and your engine is switched on. Why don't we just go into the foyer of the church? There's nothing going on today. The church's empty. It's Tuesday, Dad. There's nobody is going to do anything, okay? Just let's go in the foyer. The air, there's air conditioning there. It's comfortable. We can sit in the foyer. So he said, oh, okay, well, I'll come. He said, you sure? He said, I said, nobody's there. He said, I forgot that Tuesday was prayer meeting day. <laughs> In the church. I know you don't believe me, but I really forgot it was prayer meeting. And, and it was and it, the pastor was prayer meeting. And so dad was like, okay. So dad came in. I went in. And, and as soon as I opened the double doors, this is what I heard. Oh. And it dawned on me. It's prayer meeting. Oh, no, Jesus. Why do you do this to me? He's my father. You're going to scare him. And he said, and, and, and my father stopped. I stopped. And I stopped breathing, as a matter of fact. And then again, oh, and sounds of prayer, moaning and groaning. And people were just praying. And, and I knew who it was. I recognized some of their voices. They were powerful prayer warriors. And I wish they were not there. <laughs> and my dad would just stop. And I looked at him the side and he said, what was that? And I'm like, what? What was what? <laughs> he said, he said, I don't know. What, what was that? I said, oh, that. Oh, oh, don't worry about that. Don't, you know. Some people pray silently. 
Some people don't. Some people are just emotional. They're just, they're just praying that. They're not going to bother you, okay? They're not. He said, what? I said that, you know, the sound. He said, no, I'm not talking about the sound. I don't care about that. As soon as you opened the door, I felt all of the, um, there was like something that enveloped me. There's something like a presence all around me. What was that? Don't ever underestimate what God can do. What was that? And I was stunned. I started to cry and I saying, oh, I said, dad, dad, that's God. He said, well, let's go in. And I'm like, okay. And we went in and dad sat at the back in the front. The people, they were all, you know, they were prayer warriors. They were, they were grandmothers of the church. You know, in their 70s, 80s, 90s. I tell you what, don't mess with a Pentecostal elderly prayer warrior. Don't mess with a mother and a grandmother that can pray. She'll pray the devil out of us no matter what. And I'm telling you, they were all praying in front and I made sure dad was nowhere near them. You know how we protect people we, that come to church like God doesn't know what he's doing? I was so foolish. I took dad and we sat at the back and these people were praying and everything. And all of a sudden, dad was just sitting quietly and he, was, he, he kept saying, I feel something, I feel something. And, I, and, and he was emotional and I was sitting at the back with him. And all of a sudden, this little old lady, she was praying and then all of a sudden she turns around, Pastor, like this, like a stealth aircraft. <laughs> I knew then we were done for. <laughs> and she began to take steps deliberately towards the last pew where my father was sitting. And I was like, uh-uh, no, no. He's my father, don't come here. You go pray, you far away. And she didn't, she didn't, she ignored me. She didn't even look at me. She was like, she was coming directly towards him. And then she stops. And then she begins to circle behind him and begins to silently and quietly. See, we can win souls. We don't have to scare people doing it. And so, and so she was silently and gently and quietly just speaking in tongues. She didn't touch him. She was right behind him. And I was just so nervous. And I was, I, I didn't know what to do. I think, I, I thought, okay, my daddy's going to run out of this place and I'll never be able to win him. I was so negative. And faithless. And she, full of faith, was just praying behind him, not touching him. When I looked towards my father, he was weeping. And she saw him weeping. She comes around. She still ignored me. She, she came in front of him and said, son, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And, and she, he opens his eyes and like a little child, she, she tells him, just lift up your hands and stand up. And he stands up and lifts up his hands, lifts up his hands. And, and she says, why don't you just worship him? Just say hallelujah, thank. And, no, and, and I was, I, he like a little baby, he just obeyed her. He stood up, lifted up his hands. And no sooner as he said two hallelujahs, his tongue began to stammer. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, church. You're not excited. I am. God filled him with the Holy Ghost, pastor. The word of your testimony is powerful. And so he, he just, it, it, it was, it was, it was incredible. He was, 
he was just speaking in tongues. I was speaking in tongues. Everybody was speaking in tongues at that point. And, 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 God, and he wouldn't stop. And I was weeping and crying and thankful. And I was also repenting. I was telling God, forgive me my unbelief. Forgive me that I thought for one moment that I needed to protect people from your presence. That I needed to protect people. So when you bring somebody to church and somebody's freaking out dancing, you don't have to worry about what's going through your guest's mind. Okay? God knows what he's doing. You need to chill. You need to relax and worship God. And then she, she looks towards him and she says, well, now that God has given you the Holy Ghost, you know, you need to be baptized, son. And he said, okay. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> and so we baptize him. He comes out of the water and the pastor uh, of that church baptized him. He comes out of the water and, you know, in, in the priesthood, in the, in the Hindu religion, you wear a red thread to signify that you belong to this other religion. There's a red thread. He came out of the water, took the red thread, snapped it out and said, I don't need this anymore. And he threw it off. Dad, dad passed away seven years ago. He died seven years ago, but he died talking in tongues. He died a man that was baptized and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. God wants to do something significant in your life. And if you are going through opposition, that's okay. God wants to do it. Today I received a word of prophecy that God was going to do something in my family. I believe that with all my heart. I receive that with all my heart that God is going to do something significant. My mother, she's not saved still till today. She heard about my dad. She stopped talking to him for a while. Then now she talks to him and talks to me. Do you know when there's a family issue or a problem or she's, she's not well right now and she's going through some sickness? She doesn't call other people in the family to pray. She doesn't call my Hindu relatives. She calls me. She calls me. And I'm like, uh, so mom, what's the matter? Oh, now she's my best friend. She, she texts me and WhatsApps me and calls me three, four times a week. And I'm like, mom, what's the matter? She said, I'm sick. I've got knee problems. I've got rheumatism and arthritis and it hurts me. And I need, I need you to, you know, do what you do. <laughs> She's a proud lady. She didn't want to say it. I'm like, really? Okay. What's that? No, I'm just kidding. It's a She's like, I'm not calling, calling your uh, other relatives, you know, they, I'm not. But I know that if you, if you prayed, I know what happens. Because when, whenever you pray for me, I feel better. Really, mom? So, yes. So you, can you pray to Jesus? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you made her say it, didn't you? <laughs> you made her call on your name. <laughs> I said, pray to Jesus, I'll be healed. And so one time I prayed and it was pretty bad. And, and after we prayed, the next day she calls me, she's healed. What she does is she buys some flowers where she lives and she goes to the church. She doesn't know what to do. I, heard, I hear about it from a relative of mine that mom went to a church with a bunch of flowers. I call her, I say, mom, do you go to a church with some flowers? She said, yeah, I, I just wanted to say thank you for healing my leg. I didn't know what to get as a gift so I just got some flowers for the church and and I'm like well you see you, you think that he's okay with that 
Yeah, he loves flowers, mom, tell you. I promise you he's okay with it. He loves it. He loves that you went, and he loves the flowers, and he appreciates it. That is, that is cool. She's not saved yet, but she keeps calling me whenever there's an issue. I tell you what, when the chips are down, they will call your number. They will call your number. You know why? Because they know who you've been with. If you've been with Jesus, if you have prayed, if you have fasted, if you live a life of separation, they will call you today the enemy directs his subtle attack not on a person's physical body and I'm closing today the enemy does not direct his attack to someone's body by beating you up or throwing you out of the house or whatever that happens in other countries there were eight girls that were beaten because they believed in Jesus Christ and she was seriously injured and paralyzed, but she continues to share Christ with anyone that would hear her. This happened in Iran a few years ago. Today, the devil focuses on our pride, our desire for acceptance, the fear of rejection or the desire for status. These days, it's not if you witness of Jesus Christ, I'll cut your head off. These days is if you witness, you will lose your job. These days is if you witness, your boyfriend might leave you. These days, if you witness that you may not have a marriage relationship or money left, he focuses our attack not on our physical body or someone cutting off our heads, but on our consciousness, our, our status, fear of losing our status and standing in society. Or someone might think that you're strange and peculiar. Well, we are. We are a peculiar people. The devil has found that it is very effective to kill the church by making it complacent, indolent, and socially oriented. Socially oriented does not mean you don't do social uh, acts of benevolence. That's not what I mean. Socially oriented means that we're like more of a social club rather than a place where people get delivered, healed, filled, baptized, and grounded in the word. That is why FPC will go, the, it will go further than anything before. Because here you love your community, you give towards your community, but you are focused on saving souls and discipleship. No persecution is more effective than when a Christian goes silent and backs down. No persecution is more effective than when the church waters down its theology and evangelistic zeal to accommodate a liberal world. What we do today when you are challenged to sacrifice, when you are rejected by friends, or worse, today the attacks is on mainstream media. The attacks from Facebook and Twitter, I got nothing against social media. I think it can be used for a great, great benefit towards the church and the gospel. Absolutely. Paul would have used it if he lived today to get the gospel across. But let me tell you, when folks on Facebook and Twitter and social media or Instagram, they scream obscenities at you, they cuss at you for standing firm for your beliefs or for supporting a Christian worldview. When the media or certain groups lobby for rights that are decimating biblical commandments, what do you do? What ought our response be when your faith is mocked at school, our lives made difficult by co-workers or family members simply for being a Christian? Tozar said to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. Jesus said rejoice and be glad. Paul declared, I think myself happy. Acts 26, that's what he said. Let's stand. Do you think yourself happy tonight? Are you in the place where you are thinking yourself happy? 
Romans 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Persevere in your faith and do not grow weary in well-doing. We are Christians. Everybody say that I'm a Christian. Now say, no, say, say it like you mean it. I'm a Christian. And then say, I do not retaliate against those that persecute me. But today, I stand firm, resolute in my witness for Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven will belong to you. It will. People will say bad things against you and hurt you. You may be asked to relinquish everything you work for, your wealth, position, to follow Jesus Christ. Be happy and glad. You have great reward waiting for you in heaven. Let's lift up our hands right now. There is a movement to remove prayer from public places. To remove the Ten Commandments from certain places where it ought not be removed from public official houses. There is a effort, not an effort. In many cities, this effort has been successful in removing prayer from schools and colleges. It has become a place of liberal thought, anti-Christian, anti-Christ thinking. But the church is a city set on a hill and nothing can diminish its light. There is coming such darkness. The darkness is already here. Can you see it? Can you feel it's already here? I'm not just talking about America. I'm talking about all world. But there's coming even a darker time. Such darkness. But you know what happens in darkness? The light shines even brighter. It's almost blinding because everything else is dark. Everything else, there's no salt there. So everything, when, there's, when you remove salt, everything goes rotten. Salt preserves. Salt is a preserving agent. It is an agent that preserves fish, meat, whatever. It preserves. But you know what happens when salt is gone? Everything goes rotten. What you are is salt and light. Wherever you are at, nothing will rot. Wherever you are at, you will burn bright. Like a flaming star, you will be bright. A city set on a hill. Do you know what then will happen? The people in darkness will suddenly say, what's that? Say, what's that something bright? It is so bright, I can hardly see it. What is that? Well, that's the church. The church, yeah. Well, what are we doing here? Can, can we go there? Well, come on. Let's go. And they will go. They will follow you. There is coming a time of unprecedented darkness, but with that, there is coming a time of unprecedented revival. There is coming a time where people are so thirsty because social media has let them down. Mainstream media has let them down. The lies that we listen to day in and day out from journalists and news people, that it's, it's letting us down. We are no longer able to trust the norms of society anymore for survival. We have nowhere to go but to Jesus. We have nowhere, they have nowhere to go but to the church. The city set on a hill. Oh, it's so bright. So my purpose in telling you this is this. I know we're in the middle of a, of a worldwide crisis. 
but God is in charge of everything. No, he didn't bring upon this crisis on us. He doesn't go around destroying lives and killing people. He's a God that heals and delivers. But he's able to take a bad situation and turn it around for good. So what say you? You're stuck in the middle of what they call a pandemic or whatever you want to call it. Called blueberry jam you like. <laughs> I call it an opportunity. I call it an opportunity to get on, to, to make sure that all of this goes on Facebook. You know, you know the devil, I, I said this the other day when we had that drive-in service, he loses. The devil loses. He thought he could shut down the church, but there's churches in cities everywhere in the homes. Of course, here we're blessed. Tennessee, the great state, you've allowed your people to worship and congregate in church buildings. I'm telling you now, we have leaders that are telling us to go back to church. Go back to worshiping in your houses of worship. There's never been a time like this time. So what are you going to do about it? Sorry, I've been a little long in my sharing today, but I want to tell you this. If you feel that you need to make a pledge to stand firm and not quit and not even waver even a tiny bit in the face of the persecution that you're in, in the face of job loss and the loss of life and sickness and disease and depression. If you are not, you, I would like you to come forward and ask God to put two nails on both sides of your legs so you stand firm. That come what man, the winds can move you here and move you there, but you are not movable because you are standing on the rock that is Jesus Christ. You're not standing on sinking sand. You're standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. Thank you, sir. Well, come on. This is not just for visitors. This is for anyone whosoever will that would come forward and you tell God, God, I don't want to waver. I want to make sure that I am firm in the belief that I am firm in the belief that you are for me and therefore no one can be against me. Nothing can be against me because God, you are for me. Psalms 31, come on church, let's just pray. Psalms 31 says, trust in the Lord. Psalms 31 says, be glad and rejoice. Be of good courage. Turn the other cheek, love your enemies, bless them, do good to them and pray for them. Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Be prepared to suffer with Christ so that you will also be glorified with him. Hallelujah. Bless those who persecute you and don't curse them. Take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in distresses for Jesus' sake. Because the blessings that you have been bestowed today, they were purchased by men and women from past generations who were willing to sell everything. They were willing to give up everything. That's the generation you come from. They were willing. Some of you came from your third generation, fourth generation, fifth generation. Children of God, Pentecostals, whose parents and grandparents and great-grandparents sold everything so that you could live and be strong and experience joy unspeakable today. If you believe that, lift up your hands. Pick up your cross. When you lift up your hands, imagine that you are actually holding your cross 
on those hands. Your hands are not free. Your hands now are bearing your cross, whatever the cross is. Your cross could be persecution. Your cross could be sickness of a loved one, the loss, the death of, of someone you've lost because of disease. Your cross could be this, this, this invisible enemy of the virus. Your cross could be something like that. Forgetting the cost. Forgetting the cost. Come on, don't stop. With blood, sweat, and tears, make a way for yourself, your spouse, your family. Decide today that you will do anything to make a way to stand firm for your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. If you're a single person and you don't have children, decide right now that come what may, you will stand firm in the belief that Jesus is for you. And that should you have children one day, that you will stand for them. Joyfully embrace the awesome privilege to serve Jesus our King. Identify with His crucifixion his burial and his resurrection identify with it right now by saying God I'm standing firm I'm not going to be confused by all the noise around me all of the voices of social media the lies on media I'm not going to be confused I'm not going to listen to it I'm going to go forth in the belief and the trust that you are God and besides you there is no other God I'm going to call pastor right now. Pastor, would you come? Oh. What an amazing message. A message of deliverance. And folks, while we were in here, there was a man outside of the building, broken. As we were singing all of the songs we were singing, this man was broken outside. And then our great men connected with him, brought him into our office. We sat down, we prayed, he repented. He is right now on the verge of getting baptized into the name of Jesus. Tim, can we pray for him? Can you extend your hands out? In Jesus' name. Tim, this church is praying for you right now. <laughs> 